what your heart believes will then begin to affect the rest of your being without you even having to think about it. It just, it just, it's like a vapor. It's like a, the aroma of an incense. It just kind of rises up. And that's good. You know, when, when you're dealing with um, sin habits or you're dealing with destructive thought patterns or you're dealing with uh, just irrational fears or thought processes that are not in alignment with the Word of God. What that tells me, if somebody comes to me and they're dealing with that stuff, what that tells me is is that their their heart is programmed to believe uh, what the world says about them and what their circumstances say about them rather than what God says about them at a spiritual level. So you can think of the heart as like the spiritual subconscious mind, and it's driving your decisions without you even having to think about them. Yeah. Welcome to the Living by Grace podcast with Al Jennings. When you receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. Listen in as we discuss the effortless life of God's grace. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm really excited today because I got my good friend, Clint Byers. And Clint's going to join us, and we're going to get into some good stuff from God's Word. Clint has some amazing insight into the scriptures. Um, I'm, I'm really impressed with his knowledge of the word. And so we're going to tap into that today. And just as a way of intro, well, first, just let me say, hey, Clint, welcome. What's up, man? Appreciate uh, you having me right. on here. Looking forward to chatting with you. Man, if I'm this excited. ends up like one of our other talks, we'll be on here for a couple of hours. Talking <laughs> about all kind of stuff. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm in for it, man. Uh, so... Yeah, Clint, Clint is the lead pastor of Forward Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. That's the Atlanta area. So if you're ever in the Atlanta area, you're looking for a good church, I recommend Forward Church. Clint is an amazing pastor. He's authored seven books, published over 80 sermon series, and created a series of guided prayer and meditation resources called Tools for Transformation. He has also pioneered an online training website called Forward School of Transformation. Clint believes that when you experience God's love for you, you will allow his grace to transform you. Clint has a laid back, down to earth teaching style. Yeah, I can relate to that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm of that flavor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he has a focus on transformation and practical Christian Living. You can access all of his resources at clintbuyers.com. We'll talk about that later. But again, welcome, Clint. Clint and I first met at a conference that he spoke at in South Bend with our friend Lucas Miles. And um, you re remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you not speaking at that too? I guess no, you were. No, no. Yeah, okay. I had just met Lucas, okay. I, I think, not, not too long before that conference. Yeah. And so um, it was a great conference and you had a great word and um, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. I still have the notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, we got to know each other better when uh, during the, during the pandemic and we had that conference call with uh, various pastors, which most of them I met for the first time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, which we, I enjoyed that. It was good to kind of hear, you know, because this is the first time 
we'd ever been through a pandemic. Yeah. So even though most of us had the same views and we're kind of incorporating the same strategies mm-hmm. and had pretty much the same attitude about it, it was, it was good to just, uh, you know, gather and talk about it and, uh, you know, learn and glean from each other. And, you know, I, I appreciated that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. it was good. Got, got to know some pastors and, uh, that, that was, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Some great relationships were were formed. Um, and one of those is with you, man. And I really, yeah. yeah, I really, like I said before, really appreciate your your insight into the scriptures, and and you're very thoughtful in your approach to it. You just don't just say stuff. I mean, you you <laughs> you can tell what you write. When I look at your post on Facebook, they're well thought out, really um, and, and powerful. So we're going to tap into some of that today. Let's let's dive in. Uh, we're going to talk about the heart of the gospel. And Clint has a lot of teaching on the heart. So I'm just going to turn you loose, man, and let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, it's always funny when you hear people reading your bio and your intro and talking about their experience with your stuff. It's like it's kind of puffs you up, get you a little excited. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to hear this guy. preach. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you know, to me and, and, you know, I've, I've been, so we planted forward. My wife and I started the church in our living room in uh, 2008. So we've been doing this for a little while. And, yeah. you know, before that we were in ministry, I was at uh, Jim Richards church at impact ministries in Huntsville mm. And, and served there for about six years, worked for him. And, you know, so been in ministry, uh, professional ministry, I guess, if you want to call it 20 years. And um, the, the thing that I see more and more and more is that we have, we have to be deliberate. We have this, it, we have to present the gospel and this, you know, way of Christian living uh, to people in a way that helps them actually incorporate grace into their lives it has to work yes because i you know you you've i won't call you out but you probably think you've been pastoring a little bit longer than i have (laughs) yeah but you've seen it you know the most frustrated christian is somebody who knows that god's promises are available but can't get them to work for them Mm -hmm. can't access them for themselves and 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 see it and believe it and you know so uh, unfortunately a lot of Christians just kind of accept the state of their lives. They, they appreciate the gospel. They believe that God is good. They believe that his promises are yes and amen. They believe that he's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, but, but they sit frustrated because it's just not working for them. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, that's where a lot of denominations come from. That's where a lot of arguing comes from and, and a lot of judgment toward God and each other within the body of Christ. And, and I think I think that's why it's important that those of us that preach that God is good and only good, uh, you know, we stick with it. But we also just take the time to go a little bit deeper and do life with people and understand their struggles and listen to them so that we can help them actually find solutions in Scripture rather than just giving them sermons. Right. Right. That's so good. Yeah. And don't you see sometime when people don't have things working for them. They try to bring the word down to the level of human experience. Like, okay, this, okay. So this person didn't get healed. Therefore healing must not be true. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 
I mean, and that happens all the time. There, there's a, a very, very well-known, um, I guess you could call him a grace preacher. But, you know, I, it took me a while to realize this, but there's actually a, a section of, you know, finished work, new covenant folks that don't believe in the gifts or they believe that God can still heal, but it just doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't, I wasn't really aware of that. <clears throat> I had preached a conference with this guy and had some conversations and and then realized, oh, wait a minute. He doesn't believe that we can believe for healing and to see miracles. Because I I got into this conversation with him about healing. And, uh, you know, that that was his point. His point was, well, if we have the if, if healing is guaranteed in the new covenant, then why don't we see more healing? Because I've prayed for a lot of people. And and Mm. after all, why don't you just go down to the hospital and pray for everybody? And it's like, Oh, wait a minute. So you don't believe that, uh, that by his stripes, we are healed applies to the physical body also, because he was making the case that being healed by his stripes is just for your spirit and your soul, but not for your body. Oh yeah. That's so, yeah, that's incorrect. (laughs) Yeah. But to your point, I was shocked because I asked him, I said, so, so I know you hold the word in high regard. Uh, I'm really surprised that you are watering down, you know, how you read scripture in that particular area to the level of people's circumstances. Yeah. And of course that was pretty much when the conversation ended. It was one of those online conversations, you know, and, it's you don't get to sit face to face with people and and really work things out. But, uh, you know, to your point, yeah, it's what people do. People, people come up with circumstantial theology. Right. Exactly. And make assumptions that Jesus went around healing everybody in sight. Like he went through the streets and just everybody. Now it, it can appear like that when you're reading the scriptures, when there were times when he would go and he would, he would, he healed all that were sick. That's certainly true. But he just didn't indiscriminately, 100% of the time, go through the streets and, hey, everybody that's sick is healed. Like the pool of Bethesda. Right. There were five porches full of sick people. Mm-hmm. And he only healed one person. And that's because the gifts of the Spirit were in operation. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit only directed him to heal one man. But the rest of those folks, he left there sick. And that doesn't mean it's not God's will to heal everybody. It's just the gifts of the Spirit were in operation. And the Spirit of God only directed him to one person. However, and you can comment on this, but if any one of those people on on those five porches would have came up to him in faith, they would have received their healing. He never turned down one person that, that came to him for healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with that. I, I, and we can, you know, we can speak. That's the problem is people speculate, but it's, and it's fine to speculate because a lot of, a lot of God's motives and why Jesus did what he did, you know, Jesus, after all being the exact representation of the invisible God. Yeah. Um, where, you know, we can, if you want to know who God really is, you look at Jesus, but when it comes time to make assumptions and speculate and try to understand why he did what he did when it's not expressly written, 
you have to speculate in ter- in light of his death, burial, and resurrection. Right, right. It it, it always has to filter through. Yes. What accom- What you know? What was accomplished at the cross? At what the cross. is available and what's not available? And if if he paid for it on the cross, it's available now. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I agree. I think any of those people that would have, and, and you know what, maybe some did, maybe that part's just not even recorded. Afterward, mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we only actually have two times in scripture uh, in relation to Jesus's ministry that tell us why the gift, whatever particular gift didn't work one time. You, I mean, I'm sure you know him one time he went into his hometown and it said that he could do only a few miracles because yes. they didn't basically honor who he was. They didn't essentially, they didn't believe that he had the power to do that. Right. Unbelief. Which is what he said. Unbelief. That's right. It's because that's what he said to so many people. It's like, be it done unto you according to your faith. Yeah. And, and it said there specifically, he could there do no mighty work. Not that's he right. wouldn't. Right. <laughs> he couldn't. Yeah, and so if, un- if unbelief, if unbelief, God in our lives, right, and if you could limit it, then you can limit it now. Surely, and then the other time was the disciples couldn't get the boy healed, and they said, "Why couldn't we do it?" And he said, "Well, your unbelief." Yes, great. And of example. course, then he says, "This unbelief, you know, this kind only comes out by, by prayer and fasting." And of course, a lot of people build the case that he's taught that they say that this kind of uh, dark spirit or this kind of demon only comes out but by prayer and fasting. And I mean, how many times have you seen prayer and fasting sessions called so that they get more power over higher levels of demons? And I, you know, I just don't think that's what he was saying. I think he was saying this kind of unbelief comes out by prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there's inner work to do to believe there's a labor to enter into the rest. And, you know, I'm not talking about getting more faith or, you know, becoming more powerful on your own. Really what I'm talking about is just becoming more persuaded of what he already accomplished. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the, you know, people that were uh, actually touched by him, you know, when he was on the planet walking around, it was very easy. Their faith was like, well, I I saw you heal that guy over there. So you can probably heal me too, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And now it's a matter of, uh, works through his body. It works through us. And for, you know, there's two, there's two different kind of conversations to have around this. And and one is us operating in the power as ambassadors of his kingdom. And then the other is us personally experiencing the benefits of being a child of God and the benefits of what he paid for in his death, burial and resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you when you pastor for a while and, and you get a heart for the people and you genuinely want to see them experience what he paid for them to experience, man, we, we have to be able to help people work these things out in their own heart, in their own mind, in their own lives when they're facing, you know, a, a, a diagnosis of cancer or when they've lost their job or you know, when the wife, when their wife comes to them and says, look, it's just not working out. I'm ready for a divorce. You know, we, we kind of disassociate the promises of God from those kinds of situations. But it's like, you know what? You better be putting the word in when you don't need it, because when you need it. Yes. If you start to scramble and you try to have to persuade your heart in those moments when you're in crisis, you're probably not going to connect to what he's already paid for. Mm. And I'm sure you've seen it, you know, when it's good, 
you're not really putting the time in, you're not putting the work in, you're not yep. putting the effort in to stay in faith toward him and stay in, you know, to believe. And grace people don't like to talk about the work of faith. <laughs> grace people, oh, it's all finished. I don't have to do anything. Okay, mm. well, all right. I hear you. I, I hear you. And I agree with that. But there's going to come a time when it doesn't, you know, it doesn't just manifest in your life just because you believe that it's already finished. You have to persuade your heart to be able to allow that which is in you in spirit form to manifest into your life and touch this physical realm in a way that's greater than just you agreeing with it's finished. Yeah. And that's, that's good, Clint. Yes. And it's challenging because you stand there face to face with people and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're heartbroken and, and people are saying, well, I've prayed and I've, and I've done this and I believe, and if, and you know, I believe, but I, but I, I don't know how to get it to work. And I, I don't think we can have any formulas, but I think that, I think there is the element in between, you know, there's the famous passage that, what is it, Mark eleven twenty four? believe that you have received. Mm-hmm. And it will be yours. Yes. So it's kind of like this paradox, all right? It's like, okay, so believe that you have received, believe that you already have it, become fully persuaded that you already have it, and then it shall be yours. So in other words, it's a it's kind of a past tense and present tense thing. It's a believe mm-hmm. that you have it already, but then you will receive it. It's a paradigm. There's you know two seemingly opposing realities. And so what do we do in that time in between? Well, you have to become fully persuaded in your heart more than you see the circumstance in your life, more than you see anything, uh, uh, more, you know, more than you allow yourself to feel in relation to whatever the situation is that you're going through. You have to become persuaded at a heart level that it truly actually is already yours. And, And to me, the thing that I've seen work the most it's not just confessing scripture. It's not just listening to, you know, good preaching. It's not just giving. It's not all the things that we do. It's, it's in looking at and personalizing what he did for us on that cross, actually taking it personally that, um, you know, he, he did this for me. He died for me when he was on that cross. He actually became my sin. Yeah. Yes. When he was on that cross, he actually did become my disease. Mm. And there's something in that happens at a heart level at that deepest part of who and what we are, where the word, you know, divides to that deep part of our being that you just have to trust. You know, as I become persuaded, I just have to, I, all I have to do is become fully convinced that he is a healer and that Jesus did pay for my healing. And then the word does its work. But it's challenging because people, you know, it's the Mark Four principle. It's the sower sows the word. It, people allow the fear to uproot the word. They allow the enemy to come and lie mm-hmm. to them and it be stolen. The cares of this world and all that other stuff. So, yeah, so much in so, that. Yeah, there is. Wow. You talk about persuading your heart. Walk us through how to do that. Yeah, well, it's it's a great question, and and really, there's. You know, you so I'll say this: the simple answer is find what works for you. Mm. You know, we're in a relationship with God, uh, being persuaded at a heart level. 
is 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 ultimately enjoying and experiencing a, an intimate relationship with him where he's he's a real person in your life and you are touched by his heart and his desire towards you more so than you're interacting with information about him mm. you know like i wrote a book about my testimony and people have read that book and feel like that they are, you know how it is. People watch your sermons and then you meet them in person. And there's a little bit of that. They, they feel like they know you, you know, cause they <laughs> listen to you preach or yeah. whatever, you know, but it's the same thing. We do that to God. We don't really truly take the time to know him personally. Mm, that's so, good. yeah. So, so I guess the, you know, the answer is find whatever works for you. Some suggested ways are, Really, the bottom line is you, you put the word in, right? Put the word in your heart, and to the point that you believe it. And and believing is, it feels true to you. You can see it in your mind's eye. You can see it with the eyes of your heart. You can see what it looks like to be free of that sin habit, to be healed of that disease, to be uh, free of that um, anxiety pattern. You know. Mm-hmm. You, you, so it becomes believable to you. So <clears throat> the whole point of persuading your heart is not to make something happen. So I think that's where the criticism of the word of faith movement has been a little bit valid because it, it and you know, I, don't, I think, I think we just get, we learn how to say things better, yeah. but the the emphasis was always on, confessing and then it'll come to pass or to even bring it in a little bit more modern times, you know, this whole thing about the secret. You remember when the secret came out? A lot of attraction. Yeah. Vaguely. I mean, I, I remember yeah. it, but I, I didn't, I didn't really look into what it was all about. Yeah. Well, the whole principle behind it is um, on a quantum level, we affect the world around us. And if you sit and have a desire in your heart and in your mind and you visualize what you want, the universe will arrange itself to bring to you your desires. And it's like it's not it's that's not that far from the truth. But Mm -hmm. persuading your heart and walking in faith is not about you trying to make something happen. Right. You know, when you're walking in faith, you're standing in faith, you're standing on a promise, you're standing on the word, you're persuading your heart. These are all really kind of the same thing. You're just trying to plant the word in your heart. You're sowing the word in your heart. All you're doing is you're trying to come into agreement with what is already already done. Yeah. Already true of you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to say this before, I got a revelation of grace. I used to say faith moves the hand of God. Mm. But then I found out <laughs> under grace and reading the Bible, and, and you, you referenced this before, through the cross. I, yeah. I call it to help people remember reading the Bible cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was an old apparel company back in the day called Cross-Eyed. I really? remember them. No. And another thing I say is read the Bible with sunglasses. Right. S O N. S O N glasses. Right. Just reading it through the lens of the cross, you find out that through the cross, it's already been done. So you you mentioned confession and we're not confessing to try to persuade God. Mm. It's about really persuading our heart what's already done. Right. It's part of what we do when we confess. And so faith doesn't move the hand of God. The hand of God is already moved. (laughs) 
through, through the cross. And now, you know, it's about resting in his finished work. And, and this, what you're talking about, persuading your heart, this, this is huge, man. And, and, yeah. and what I, what I hear in what you're saying is you, you got to meditate the word. It's not just reading yeah. it for, Hey, I got my Bible reading in today. <laughs> I got my, my, yeah. check the box. <laughs> yeah, I checked the box. Exactly. No, it's, it's about, man, um, meditating that word and digesting it. And you, you asked, you know, how do you persuade your heart? That that's certainly one of the ways I incorporate, uh, meditation into my personal life. I, anytime I sit with somebody personally, one of the things that I always do, I don't, I don't do counseling but I will walk people through scripture and help them discover mm -hmm. uh, what the word says about the specific area of life that they're wanting counseling over. You know, it's kind of a more of a new model of counseling. It's like, I, I'm not going to mm -hmm. sit here and we're not going to try and figure out what happened to you when you're in your mama's womb. I'm not yeah. really interested in talking about, you know, that your grandfather was a Mason or none of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Here's what I want you to know. This is who you are in Christ. Yes. This is the area that you're struggling. This is what the word says about it. Now we're going to put effort, massive amounts of effort into you believing that that's who you really are. You're no longer your past. If we need to talk about the past, you know, if we need to walk through some forgiveness or stuff like that, you know, we'll do that. There's a lot of models out there that start with and focus on those kinds, you know, the past or, or unforgiveness that you're holding towards someone. If you stumble across unforgiveness while you're trying to help people put on the new man, then you deal with it, but it's not the, it's not the magic pill unforgive. Once you finally get unforgiveness out of your heart, then, you know, now all your dreams will come true. I've seen those models that, that are centered around that, but, but to get specific about your question, how do you persuade your heart? Yeah, absolutely. Meditation is one of them. I made some tools that I call tools for transformation. You referenced them. They are um, guided meditations and I put a little bit of visualization in there, but it's really all just the word, uh, my, you know, there's a lot of scripture in there. And then there's a lot of first person affirmation statements based on the scripture as it relates to that topic. You know, I've got one on healing. I've got one on finances, one on identity. Uh, so, you know, so what is meditation? Meditation is not, you know, sitting there and trying to empty your mind and then channel God and then force the world around you to look like you know that it should. Meditation is sitting and uh, thinking about what he did for you to the degree that it becomes more real to you than whatever it is that you're facing that is not reflecting his promises or what he paid for. That's good. And, there, and there's something in the space between of, you know, being, being persuaded at a heart level, knowing that it's true. I mean, walking out of a prayer session where healing becomes more real to you or, or just peace of mind becomes more real to you than what you're actually going through. The next time you face that situation man, you really tr do truly feel like a conqueror, mm -hmm. but you know, Jesus addresses it in Mark four after he talks about the kingdom and and the heart, the, you know, four different aspects of the heart, the four different soils and what the seed does in there. He said, this is how it works. This is like, it's like a farmer that casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. 
He doesn't know how it happens, but the seed produces after its own kind. And, you know, this is not new information. This is not revolutionary information, but I, but I think maybe some people it'll be, you know, that it's a, it, there is a missing element to yes. faith and that is the labor to rest. It's the mm. labor to be persuaded, the labor to believe. Yeah. So, so practically what does that look like? Practically what that might look like is let's say that you uh, made a mistake in your past towards your spouse or one of your children or something like that. And so because of the guilt and the shame that you carry in that particular situation, you feel the shame and the guilt more than you feel their forgiveness toward you. So, so you tread forward into that relationship and you continue to uh, interact toward them out of the guilt, out of the shame and then you continue to hear that voice in your head that, you know, that reminds you of what you did to them and you feel really bad about it. And even though you've confessed it and you've worked through it, you still feel and carry this guilt and shame about it, even though they have forgiven you. Well, persuading your heart in that moment that you actually are forgiven looks like you grabbing a hold of your thoughts and saying, you know what? Yeah, I did that. And that was a mistake, and and I and it's horrible that I did that, but it's in my past. It is not who I am. I am in this moment forgiven. I am in this moment the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, I am loved by God. Therefore, I can love this person, and I can receive the love that this person has toward me, rather than constantly living with this regret and shame, even though that person has forgiven you. You know that that's a kind of a specific example. So I don't know. Maybe no, that's for that's somebody good. that's listening. No, that's good. And the Holy Spirit is involved. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's the, he's the one that's going to bring about the yield. He's the, I mean, ultimately, the seed that you're sowing, the word that you're sowing is the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And so you're just aligning yourself to allow his attributes to live through you. But you have to be able to put on his attributes in your mind and not just believe it about him, but believe that it will, that it shapes you and transforms you and grows through you. And then you begin to look like him in spite of your past. Yes. So good. It's the whole putting on of the new man process. And, and, you know, we, some man, Christians get lazy, especially in the grace message. Cause Christian, you know, we, we just want to, it's like, I've talked to people and, I actually had somebody tell me one time, they said, you know, it was easier before I came to this church and, and I believe that God was controlling everything. And I believe that my life circumstances were because he was allowing and not allowing everything that was going on. Um, it, it was easier back then to just accept the circumstances of my life than now to try to believe that I can rise above them. Mm. And I just remember sitting there thinking, wow, you know, I appreciate your honesty, but you're basically telling me that you would rather live in defeat, uh, you know, not trying to believe to experience abundant life. Then you, then it'd be easier for you to just, uh, you know, wallow around in that bad theology. Mm. Anyway, I started thinking about (laughs) how you get, you you start preaching four different sermons in your mind. (laughs) Yeah. But it's the whole point of it all is I, I just I want to see people experience what Jesus paid for them to have. Right. And, and it's heartbreaking when 
when people are taught that God wants the difficulty and the challenge for them. So they don't even know that, you know, we've got a lot, we've got a lot of work to do in the body of Christ just to help people know who God really is, you know, much less receive what he died to give us on the cross, you know? Yeah. So good, man. You talk about who we are in Christ and how important it is to to know that. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and, and, and how important that is and, and how we can find out who we are? Yeah. Like if somebody's just getting started, like, okay, I'm, I'm just coming into the word. I'm just coming in. I just got, gave my life to the Lord. Okay. And uh, I want to know who, who I am in Christ. Where, where do I start? Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel is that you ask, uh, you know, any preacher that question and they're all going to start in different places. For me, I always like to help people understand what God did to them when they put their faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I go to Colossians 2.11 for me and, you know, this this spiritual circumcision that God performed on us, this removal of the body of the sins of the flesh as as you know, King James calls it. Uh, I, I've, there's a translation that I've been reading a lot lately called the Berean Study Bible, Colossians 2, 11. It says, in him you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature with the circumcision performed by Christ and not by human hands. Mm. So what I would tell somebody that's brand new and even the established believer is that, you know, first off, God, when when you put your faith in him, an absolute miracle happened. The greatest miracle that you can possibly imagine happened. And what he did, made available by what Jesus did on the cross, is he reached inside of you and he removed that root of sin or that body of flesh. And the word flesh there is the word sarks, mm-hmm. and it, it has two different meanings. One is your skin, you know, your actual physical body. And then the other meaning of sarks, which is what's in Colossians 2.11, is the, the definition is the mere human nature that was opposed to God and prone to sin. Mm. So fundamentally, what God did was he removed your mere human nature that was contrary to him, that was at enmity with him. He took it out of you. And, you know, I guess by agent, you could say it was with the blood of Christ or or with the life of Christ. I I use kind of life and blood synonymously, but not to get too preachy about it or too complicated. But what God did was he reached inside of you and he pulled out the disease. He pulled out the sin. He pulled out the darkness and he put his spirit in there. Yes. And when, when he put his spirit in there, you became a new creature. You became like him. And there's so many mm. passages that you could then bring in to tie into, uh, you know, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And so when he put his spirit in you, he also gave you a new heart. He took out that old stone, that heart of stone, and he gave you a heart of flesh or a living heart. And so for me, uh, I like to point people to that and help them realize, you know, if it's important enough for the very thing that God does to make you a new creation is to give you a new heart, we should learn about that new heart. We should learn what that is. And and it's a facet of our being 
that we live from. So that that's kind of part one of the answer. That's good. Being. That's deep. That's, that's, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to get too deep on here, but <laughs> no, you get a couple of preachers together, that's where it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so he, so he took out that, uh, the, the dead man, the old Jew, the sinful nature, the body of sins of the flesh. He put his own spirit in there, revived you. And, and so that's where, you know, you were buried with him and, and baptism and raised to noon, the newness of life. Uh, you know, that's where all of that happens is in that circumcision in that moment. Mm-hmm. So then you start thinking about this new heart. Um, and it's prophesied in Ezekiel and Jeremiah that the very thing that when God chose to inspire the prophets to, to prophesy of the new covenant, there were, there were a few tenets that he always anchored into it. Some of the promises of this new covenant, they were, uh, I'll no longer hold your sins against you. I'll put my spirit in you and I'll put my heart in you. And this new heart will have my ways and laws and ordinances written within it. Mm-hmm. So it used to be we were contrary to God by nature. You'd have to look at stones with God's laws written on them and look at them or a scroll to read. Mm-hmm. Okay, now now what does God expect and what am I supposed to do in this? Okay, so you look outside of yourself to read the law and you try your best to keep the law, knowing that that law was given to show you that you can't keep the law, that you need right. a savior. You know, I mean, it, it was given to reveal sin, mm-hmm. but this new heart has encoded within it uh, how to live out God's ways. This new heart has encoded within it uh, the ears to hear his voice accurately and clearly. And this new heart knows how to follow God. Yes. So it's like, it's like he rewired us to be one with him, to know him, to be intimately involved with him as in a marriage even. And, to, which leaves us in a place where, you know, truly we hear God better than we think that we do. Yes. And with the Holy Spirit inside of that new the heart. Holy Spirit inside constantly leading us and guiding us. So, Man. but your heart still has the capacity. So, you know, your new heart is no longer evil. It's no longer wicked, but it does have the capacity to still be influenced by the world. And, you know, I would make a distinction between your, when I teach on this stuff, I, I, I do spirit, soul, and body. And then I've got the heart in between the spirit and the soul and the brain in between the soul and the body. So the heart's kind of like a processor. It, it, it's directly connected to the spirit of God. It has been made new. It hears his voice. Your heart has eyes, you know, Paul prayed. I I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened, Mm -hmm. that you would know, you know, I think if you kind of, dream a little bit or use your imagination, your, your heart is kind of caught in between spiritual truth and what's going on in, in soul. And, and we choose where our heart's going to look and receive information and receive truth from. And so at a heart level, you can choose to look at God. You can choose to look at that spiritual dimension and realize, you know what, I'm already the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't, I don't have this sin habit. I don't have this disease. I don't have this anxiety. That stuff's over in my soul and in my body. But if I can keep the eyes of my heart focused on who I am in this realm over here, Mm. I'm not denying the reality that my body and my mind and my soul are struggling or experiencing with this stuff. It's just that at a heart level, if I keep my eyes fixed on him, 
you know, Colossians 3, 1, that we set our mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right mm-hmm. hand of the Father, you know. If we let if we let who we are in that realm determine and, and dictate to us, this is who you are, then at a deeper than conscious level, at a at a you know, you could call it at a subconscious level, what your heart believes will then begin to affect the rest of your being without you even having to think about it. It just it just it's like a vapor, it's like a mm. the aroma of an incense. It just kind of rises up. And that's good. You know, when when you're dealing with um, sin habits or you're dealing with destructive thought patterns or mm-hmm. you're dealing with uh, just irrational fears or thought processes that are not in alignment with the word of God. What that tells me, if somebody comes to me and they're dealing with that stuff, what that tells me is, is that their, their heart is programmed to believe uh, what the world says about them and what their circumstances say about them rather than what God says about them at a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. So you can think of the heart as like the spiritual subconscious mind, and it's driving your decisions without you even having to think about them. Yeah. It's driving what you will allow yourself to believe for and feel confident about at a heart level. And, you know, and, and you've seen it, you've probably experienced it personally, but then I'm sure you with people that you're counseling or trying to pastor and help them, you know, work through things people in their mind are running these, these loops, these carnal loops of thought pattern. Uh, and, and, and they're, they're, that's what they're experiencing. And when, we, when, what you're really trying to do is get them to believe, and you know what, at, at your deepest part of who you really are, who you are eternally, God has already healed you. He's already made you righteous. He's already delivered you from the power of darkness and you are in the kingdom of his dear son. You know, you don't have anxiety. He's not giving you the spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. All of that stuff is true of our spirit and our heart can help us experience those. But if we're looking at the world circumstances, that's what we're going to experience. You know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. So it's kind of a mouthful. Oh, that's good, man. I got a whole 10 part series on the heart on my website, but, you know, that's kind of it. I mean, really in a nutshell. Okay. Yeah. That once you, once you believe, you don't even have to think about it. You, you will just make choices to follow and obey God according to his word and according to how he's leading you. But it might take you a lot of work to get to the point where you actually believe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Man, Clint, that is so good. I'm going to just leave it right there. I think this is a good place to stop. And, but before I let you go, um, first of all, thank you, man. This is some great information, a lot for us to chew on, to think about, and um, to get our heart persuaded, man, and what God says about us and who we are in Christ. You gave us some practical things that we can do to um, persuade our hearts, man. And thank you, man. But, before let I let me, you let go, me throw this, no, let go me ahead. Throw this little this website out there. I didn't make. I don't even know who built the website. I keep meaning to contact them, but uh, it's it's a super practical tool, and you might have it or know of another one. I know you're a big Logos guy, mm. but uh, there's a website out there. It's called OpenBible.info. Okay, and it's basically just a topical search 
a scriptural topical search tool. And, you know, so people that are interested in maybe they're inspired today and, and they, they want to go put a little bit of labor and work in not to earn, not to try to get God to do it, but to just become persuaded of what the word says about their particular circumstance. Uh, you can go to that openbible.info, click on topical and just and just put a simple search in anxiety or mm. finances or marriage and, and it will it will give you a readout uh it'll, I mean, it'll pull up a search um result of you know dozens and dozens of scriptures and this is something that i've been doing with people it's like go do that do that search read through those passages until you find two or three or four that really jump off the page to you rewrite them in the in a first person way so you're rephrasing that particular passage as it specifically relates to you and and just begin to speak those things out again, not to try to convince God to do it, but to convince yourself that it's already done. Oh, I've just seen people good. really, you know, get a lot of help out of that tool. That's cool. I had not heard of that. It reminds me of a, a tool we had back in the day called scripture keys. Mm, you remember yeah. that? I, it, was that in connection with eSword? I don't know. I think There's this was like kind of predated eSword. I think it, okay. it had a, it was like a, a blue cover. Like Are a, you talking about it? You're talking about a book. You're talking pre-internet. Yeah. 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 Book. It's, it's like yeah, a exact, scripture exact keys. And, yeah. Just a topical search. You yeah. Know? So this sounds like yeah, more of a digital version of that. I don't know if scripture keys is still around. Got me curious to see if they mm. made that digital, but that was a, a great tool. I've yeah. got that around the church somewhere, but anyway, yeah, that's good stuff. But tell us how we can access your material on your website. Yeah, it's just clintbuyers.com and I've got a ton of stuff on there. You read, um, you know, in the beginning, all my stuff that's on there, I've got a blog. I usually blog three, probably three times a month. My meditations, probably the easiest thing to do if people are interested is to just become a member of the website. Mm-hmm. And that gets you pretty much everything. I mean, I, I just I okay. like to make it accessible. Uh, and, you know, you just go under there under resources, click membership. Okay. Okay. Good, good. And we can access you on social media by using the handle at Clint Byers, C-L-I-N-T-B-Y-A-R-S. I'll, I'll put all the stuff in the show notes for us. And uh, Appreciate that. Yeah. For sure. And we can get your books on Amazon, right? Or yeah, Amazon, on your website? There, there's a, there is a book page on the website, but it'll take you, all the digital stuff will be through the website. But yeah, most of it will take you to Amazon, which I'm proud of the book I just put out. Well, I say just put out a few months ago called Who Do You Love? Mm. And it's just a super practical uh, exercise of, of walking through, discovering the the call of God for your life. Um, I don't guarantee that it'll tell you exactly what God wants you to do, but I kind of reframe the idea of calling. Uh, you know, a lot of times we ask the question, God, what do you want me to do? And I think he would say, well, who do you love? Mm. And you start moving toward those people or those people groups or that particular issue in society in love. And then your calling will become self-evident. Mm. So, I'll, you know, I, I found it to be pretty practical. People are I'm having good testimonies from that. 
Great, great. Yeah, go grab his book. Go on Amazon. Go to his website. And um, if you want more of Clint, that's how you do it. So, right. Yes, sir. Man, great stuff today. Thanks for being on the show, bro. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it was more me talking than conversational, but you know, hey, that's what it's supposed to be, man. I want to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to turn my guests loose. People hear me all the time. <laughs> There's yeah, people you. that are connected with me, you know. So yeah, yeah. Cool. I appreciate yeah. the people listening. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you for joining us today for the Living by Grace podcast. You are greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved, totally righteous, and destined to win because of Jesus. Have an amazing day.